0: Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Red Hood to my Nightwing. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh,
1: I am uh, feeling much more energized than I was earlier in the week. I am ready to uh, do my part to help fight crime. Uh,
0: and our very own uh, Batman, the Dark Knight himself, Eric Ronebeck. Eric, how are you?
2: Ooh, this is the greatest honor I could ever have bestowed upon me.
0: Uh, yeah, I just... Uh, it has. We uh we couldn't I'm record. Philadelphia? Tuesday. Tuesday was uh was blackout Tuesday. Uh, definitely not putting out any content on Tuesday, uh, and I think that we we couldn't find time to do it till today. Um, and I it's been a, it's been kind of a like a this whole year has been uh been pretty wild, and I think that the these whole last...
1: decade of this year, <laughs> the whole
0: six m- months, and I think this uh this last uh this last week has has been uh. I don't know. It's both. Uh, it's both um,
1: energizing, frustrating,
0: frustrating, and and both. Uh, it gives me hope that people actually care. For- it seems like people actually are fighting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that gives me that gives me a lot of hope. And so um, I just have like three things I wanted to say, just generally about um, like what what because uh, pe- people. Uh, um, I think if you have a platform like this, even a small one, it's kind of irresponsible to just uh, not talk about, uh, issues like this that are, that are not like, this is not like a, um, a, like a left or right issue. It's like a human rights issue. And I think that staying silent on it is, uh, is, is, um, irresponsible. So I have to say something. So my first uh, thing is like, you, you if you are a person that looks like me, you're white and you <laughs> want to know what you can do, the first thing to do, I think is listen, uh, the. Our chance to talk is, is kind of over in terms of what we should do next. I think we, it's our turn to listen right now. Um, if you do have a platform, use it to amplify, uh, any black and brown voices that you can. And so I, I wrote down a list of things that I've listened to or read this week from our world, you know, from the football world that I thought were uh, really good. Um, Seahawks man to man did a episode this week called legalized blackness that Mm -hmm. I thought was really great. Michael Sean Duggar also wrote uh, a article about Russell Wilson in the athletic. Um, KJ Wright did a 45 minute Instagram video with G Scott that I thought was really good, um, solidifying himself as the most underrated Seahawk of the decade. Uh, Doug Baldwin's been excellent on Twitter. And then WSU Cougar Gabriel Marks. Gabe Marks on 24 7 Sports wrote a really great article. And I think if you would go through all that content. I think it's a good place to start just thinking about this stuff. And then just keep your eyes on the prize. You know, what, we're all on the same page here. We don't want people to get to feel unsafe and we don't want people to get, uh, the shit beat out of them by police. So just keep your eyes on the prize. Don't let people try to make this about something it's not, or change the target or talk about things that are only tangentially related. Um, you know, just keep, keep your eyes on the prize. We, we know what we, we're looking for and i think that this is a really important moment in uh, like american history so that's uh, that's basically all i wanted to say about uh that i kind of summed it up did you guys have anything you wanted to throw in there or you just want to go to the topic of the week
1: uh i mean we discussed it i think we we agreed on a lot of the same things i threw out uh camp chancellor has had a lot to say um and been pointing people to a lot of other good resources uh if you're on twitter uh and looking what he's doing and then I think, uh, honestly, the, the the Drew Brees cycle of the last couple of days is an interesting one if you want to go take a look at uh, Perspective yeah, and he, like, what it looks sp- like when someone ch- tries to change the narrative or insert their own, and then what it looks like when they educate themselves a little bit, and then I, I think we all agree the apology rang a little bit hollow, but then... Um his uh his response to uh President Trump I think had a lot more uh of value and substance in yeah, it. I think... So we can officially hate Aaron Rodgers again as the most hated quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think that uh at Breeze like he initially kind of stuck his foot in it and like rightfully so. A bunch of his teammates went after him and said, Hey man, like what are you doing? This is not the time or the place. And and he came out with an apology. And I think a lot of people said this apology sucks. And he like, and he did what everyone should do, which is he looked at it and said, okay, well, why are they saying this? You know, like what, what way can I grow as a person? And that was, I thought that was really, it was really cool to see his, his like, um, kind of growth. And, and then, I, you know, obviously you have your eye on him, but he, you hope that growth continues because that's what we want. We want people to grow and, uh, to recognize that there's a lot going on right now. That's
2: unjust in the world. Well, before we move on to, you know, what we typically do on the podcast, you said it, both of you said it best. It's right now it's about listening, understanding, and growing. If you, if you're not feeling compelled to really do anything, just listen, just under trying to understand what's out there. Um, a lot of us forget that being a human part of that journey, uh, until the conclusion of death is growing, maturing and understanding, uh, you know, finding out where you're going to be. Um, a lot of us forget that we need to grow. So um, that's, that's my two cents. All right. So uh,
0: my, my uh, thing I prepared for us to talk about football-related is I, um, I went to a bunch of sites and looked at their power rankings. I looked at some uh, some top 100 player. Pete Prisco released his top 100 player rankings, and then I have pro football-focused players of the decade. And so I just, um, I think that I want to start with the, the power rankings and see how you guys react to some of this. So, okay. And let's start with sports illustrated. Okay. Sports illustrated. they have, they have a panel. It's a Monday morning quarterback panel. So, you know, it's got like a, a bunch of guys you might've heard of on it. And then, so they put the Chiefs first, the Ravens second, 49ers third, which is fair considering they just came out of Super Bowl. Uh, Saints fourth, Eagles fifth, Seahawks sixth. So, do you have any any qualms with uh, with that at all, or do you think that that are you pretty pretty okay with it? I I'm started know. with the, I started with the easy one. I think this one I feel I feel
1: I feel fine about it. I think it's okay. I I mean, I think we have about as many questions as the Eagles do, but ours don't come at quarterback, which says something.
0: Yeah, I think. The fact that we beat them last year in the playoffs should have put us ahead of them but uh i understand the trepidation with us because uh we uh we um
1: getting our own way a lot and, and also we didn't sign rush.
0: we didn't resign clowny i think that a lot a lot of people are that's a check mark against us i think we'd be like fourth in a lot of these polls or if if
2: we had clowny so also, eric you're okay with sixth it's six is okay. The thing about the Eagles is I'm always interested in the other team's narrative, you know, like where they're coming from and what they think. And <laughs> after we beat the Eagles, like in the off season, they're like, don't forget we're two injuries away from destroying the Seahawks in both, both matchups. And it's like, uh, okay. Um, so, you say so. <laughs> yeah. And with that, uh, not, not the fact that we beat them last year, that's like a little piece. It's that argument right there. Like, did you not look at our team's injuries?
1: You're about to say, can we pick our two players to have back healthy too?
2: Yeah, and I don't
1: I don't know. I I don't I think Chris Carson back. might have made a difference in that game. <laughs> yeah, maybe just maybe. a little bit.
2: Maybe Rashad Penny the whole game. Uh yeah, it's uh I'm fine with it only because you have to go out there and prove it. So I'm fine now, with it. Now I left something out. They say what the highest
0: vote voter gave us and the lowest voter gave us. Ooh. Okay. There are two voters gave us their highest place of fifth but one voter the lowest place put the Seahawks in guess guess the number the lowest voter here we go 16th. eric go.
2: i'm going 14th
0: 17th <sighs> kevin when you? The am- price is right victory can you imagine someone thinking 16 teams are better than the Seahawks next year i'm just year?
1: surprised richard Sherman
0: got a vote <laughs> it's it's unbelievable to me like i'm looking at okay so here's the team that's in 17th right now for them just overall the atlanta falcons uh the texans are 18th the colts are 16th the the patriots are 15th this voter probably had two or three of those teams ahead of the seahawks that is insane to me the texans are are like yeah it's great great that you guys have um you know all this stuff going on but like they have deshaun watson and then they they their offseason was an l in the this this season and they have so many guys that they really need to be good that are so injury prone. They need JJ Watt to play 16 awesome games this year. They need will fuller the fifth to play 16 awesome games this year. I just don't see a world where that happens in 2020, to be honest with you. So that, um, that blew my mind that someone put the Seahawks 17th.
2: Yeah. Uh, I guess they, they really wanted to keep us out of the new playoff, you know, the (laughs) playoff brackets, like the way it could go. And they were, they were just saying we're, we're almost as good as the playoffs. That's, Seems absurd. Would they have the Cardinals? That's my question. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals? Oh, I just I, There's got to be a team that jumped us. Or teams that jumped us. And I think the Cardinals are going to be a chic pick. No. So if, if somebody Cardinals who's
1: are, on that bad of a take probably had the Rams higher. Cardinals Ooh,
0: 20, Cardinals were 21st. Their highest vote was 16th. And their lowest vote was 27th. But they're, the, the Cardinals are a popular sleeper this year. Um, just because... I mean, they have a lot going for them in the sleeper department, I think. Okay. Uh, NBC Sports has us sixth. Uh, The thing I wanted to bring up, though, is that they have the same four teams ahead of us that everyone has ahead of us. Kansas City, Baltimore, New Orleans, and San Francisco. But they went with a different team in fifth. You ready for this? Oh, please tell me it's New Uh, England.
2: Tampa Bay.
0: This makes
1: sense.
2: (laughs) Tampa Bay. (laughs) This makes sense because speaking of chic picks, and if you're going on paper, sure, uh, Tom Brady four years ago, uh, it makes sense. I don't agree with it, but I get it. I get it's kind of like what I said about the Eagles. I understand for for writing purposes what you did.
1: Yeah, for writing purposes, getting a click. Like that well that's, that's, that's not the most click lady. that's not the most
0: click inducing rate rating in this thing dude you ready he put the Raiders eighth <laughs> Peter <laughs> King Raiders eighth
2: Spider two wide been here's,
0: here's some teams he thinks are worse than the Raiders Dallas Pittsburgh <laughs> Minnesota Green Bay Indianapolis Buffalo Philadelphia Chicago I don't think any of these teams are worse than the Raiders so you know the guy in, the in your fantasy Hallings. football
1: league who uh, they're like, you know what? Uh, This third string wide receiver, like he had a really good last five games of last season. He's going to have a breakout year. And you're like, oh yeah, if you get that guy like later, that's going to be like, that's going to be really smart. And then they end up picking him in like the third round. And you're like, nobody was going to pick them anywhere near the third round. You didn't have to go that high on your pick. Like you gave up a lot of value like just because you think he's a third rounder everyone else thinks he's like a ninth rounder what are you doing and like but he's gonna be a third rounder Putting they, uh, Tampa Bay and Oakland there you're going you know other people think that they are La, sorry Las Vegas <laughs> other people think that they uh, are gonna be like fighting for a playoff spot so instead of just saying like they're gonna make the playoffs no 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 they're going to be a top five team. They're going to be a top 10 team. Why? Why do you have I'm, to say that? That's I'm going, to just read,
0: I'm going to read this sentence. It says, what fun it could be with the speedy Henry Ruggs III paired with returning Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro. And then there's a picture of Hunter Renfro, like a big one. And I just want to say, if you're mentioning Hunter Renfro as a reason why you think a team is going to be good, just reevaluate the take. Like, stop what you're doing and just be like, hey, wait a second. I'm saying that they'll be good because of Hunter Renfro. Never mind. This is a bad take. I, I'm going to start over because that's it's ridiculous.
1: It's I, Hunter Renfro is a solid fourth functional receiver. slot receiver. Fine. <laughs> he he is going to cap out at like
0: 850 yards in a season. He is budget Wes Welker. Uh, I was about to say, the, what's
1: his name on, a, on Buffalo? Used to be on Dallas Beasley. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. We now move to CBSSports.com. Same four teams that everyone has ahead of us. Chiefs, Ravens, Saints, and 49ers. They have a sixth as well, behind a different team. Do you guys have a guess who they put fifth behind, in front of us? This is why I, I did this. Fifth, you ready? What do you think? Who do you think they have fifth? Oh, this is
1: going to be a really bad take. Titans. Titans? No,
0: man. They have the they have the Titans way down in 16th, which is too oh, far. But, okay, but, that
1: tells me something. Uh, Eric, uh, you got a guess?
0: I'll say the Packers. They have that Packer seventh right behind us, but nobody <laughs> circles oh, nobody like the
1: Buffalo
0: Bills. And it says, "Here come the Bills! They stocked the roster and now. It's all about Josh Allen growing as a passer, which I think he will do."
1: <laughs> These are great. Yes, if Josh Allen drastically grows as a passer, they will be a lot better. That's it's it's that's ridiculous. A thing that they said it's a it's it's a
0: ridiculous. Well, we get uh, to play Buffalo. It's. I mean, Josh Allen. I and you know what's weird is I've heard like on a couple podcasts, there's like Josh Allen sleeper
2: MVP hype.
1: Ooh. No, no,
2: stop. No.
1: Wow. Whatever you're not doing, made
2: any anywhere close to the step to get that way, to get that. Josh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I
1: Josh mean, they Allen have the right. Need a talent transplant to be a sleeper MVP.
0: They have the right take about the Seahawks here, I think, which is they haven't had a great offensive. Off-season in terms of adding pieces that will help a ton right away, but Russell, Wilson, but Russell Wilson will make this team a contender. I mean, that's that's the correct take. All right, you ready? You ready to uh, let's go? To ESPN, ESPN put us fifth behind those four teams, so they got it right. <laughs> but, but the thing I wanted to mention about this one is they said players who benefited the most from the Seahawks' free agency, David Moore and Philip Dorsett. So I'm going to start. We're going to we're going to get on a corner right now. Who has the better season, David Moore or Philip Dorsett?
2: Eric. Philip Dorsett. Yeah, all right. I, I like, like that. I like that signing from the beginning. I don't think it's flashy, but I think it's something uh, it's it's better than Jaron Brown. It's I feel like it's a smart signing, an intelligent signing. He had a lot of time. Tar- OK, I'm, I'm so in on Philip Dorsett. I think it's
0: pretty well known. He had a lot of deep targets last year and t- Tom Brady missed on a lot of them the the thing about Russell Wilson is he doesn't miss deep. He's a he's the man. So I'm I'm so in on on Philip Dorset as a weapon in this offense scoring like you know f- or getting at least like 5 to 10 50-yard bombs this year. So there you go. Kevin, Dorset or more? Are you going to are you going to back the back your boy Moore or are you going to are your team Dorset?
1: Uh I think I'm going to have to go with Dorset on this one. I just think that uh he offered a rather similar level of production to what Moore offered last year in a much worse scenario. So that tells me that when the scenario improves, we saw that deep ball graphic, um, the level of accuracy of the passes he was receiving downfield. If it just regresses to the mean on what Russ is capable of throwing, you're looking at some pretty elite deep ball numbers from Dorsett. All
0: right. um, Here's the one that I got to make you guys mad. You ready? USA Today, okay, USA Today, they're, they're, uh, you know, all words of their
2: finger called, on the pulse
0: of it's sports called, fans, it's, everywhere. Called, it's called for the win, you know, their thing. Okay, 1st I'm gonna go from first, first, the Chiefs. Second, the Ravens. Third, the Saints. Fourth, the 49ers. Fifth, Tampa Bay. Sixth, the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Seventh, the Cowboys. Eighth, the Patriots. Ninth, the Bills. Tenth, the Vikings. Eleventh, the Packers. Twelfth, the Colts. <laughs> wow.
1: Thirteenth, Seattle Seahawks. Lucky 13. They have two teams that don't have a quarterback in their top seven. Okay.
0: <laughs> One, putting the Patriots in the top ten is uh that sure is a level that is a level of faith in Bill Belichick that I, I think it is known that I am like a, Hey, Bill Belichick is the goat. Like, he, but this is a bridge too far. You got to pump the brakes on the Jared Stidham's instantly going to be good thing. That is, uh, there
2: is no greater respect than putting the Patriots at that number.
0: That's like, that's too much respect. I I cannot imagine that. And then the Steelers, then the Steelers,
1: they only have like nine games worth of a fat quarterback. Who I knows mean, what's going to be starting?
0: Their offensive DVOA was 32nd last year. And it, and I'm just going to say, it wasn't like the only the pass game was bad. They were 30th in the pass game and 30th in the run game. And their defensive DBO is third. If they could have just pounded the rock on the ground, got some run game going, and kept control of the ball, they probably would have made the playoffs. But they couldn't because their offense was so bad. I don't trust their offense to be a lot better because Chase Claypool and like 90 – Ben othersberger is getting old, man. He's – this is not like a – And he's not like a guy who hasn't been injured a whole bunch. I mean, I don't want 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger with his injury history to be my only option. I really think they should have made a bigger effort to get a a solid backup quarterback in
2: there instead of sticking with a squarehead Mason Rudolph. Yeah, uh, Roethlisberger was talking about retiring last year, so uh, good thing they put him so high. Have you
1: seen him? He looks retired now.
2: They put him sixth, actually. (laughs) Sixth, sorry. Um, Not to
1: mention, uh, there's a very good chance for regression on that defense. I realize the secondary is getting better, and I realize they have Baby Watt, and he's good, but uh, they lost talent off the defensive line. They lost, and also defense is a little bit uh, less predictive, so there's a really good chance the defense isn't quite as good as it was last year, and there's a really good chance the offense doesn't improve a whole lot. Not to mention, that's a pretty challenging division. Like, I think I, I think, think it's more likely Cincinnati finishes above them than that they finish in the top five. I mm, I don't know about that. I,
0: I do think their defense is going to be good again. I mean, Chevon Hargrave is a loss, but Chris Wormley is good. It's not like they didn't just lo- – It's not like the Seahawks where they lost a guy and then replaced him with nobody. Okay, sorry, Bruce Irvin's corpse, but, but – but, I'm sorry I'm sorry Bruce Irvin. if you're a listener I uh, I love you I'm just making a joke cuz you're uh you're um, an elder statesman on the team. Uh so it's just it's tough. It's tough to to just replace uh they they made an effort to to replace the guys that they that they lost and I just think the offense is going to be a disaster again. I don't I don't see any reason the offense is going to be better than like 20th. So like that's a thing and they were had a really good turnover margin last year. Like, they were, I think, their seventh in turnover margin.
1: Yeah, they ran a really conservative offense. That's part of the reason why. So, well, because they had the, Duck friggin' Hodges throwing.
2: The Steelers are also, they benefit from a, a coach that knows the entire division well and has been in there a really long time. He knows what his team can do. Um, I'm not going to call him schlubs, but like Kevin said, I think the Bengals have a chance to finish above them. I, it sounds like Nathan's not there yet, but when we do picks... That's going to be a lot of thought in that division, which frankly, that division does not deserve a lot of thought from this. I think it's an interesting division though. Like before I get
1: roasted for this, I, I, uh, as of right now, I do have Pittsburgh fighting for the tail end of the playoffs, but I'm just saying, I I think it's more likely that they're fighting for um, third place in the division than that. They're fighting for like home field advantage.
0: I do think it's an interesting division because Cleveland's loaded and they have a new coach. So maybe it, I just, okay. The thing about the wins above
1: Raheem Morris on this should be pretty good.
0: The thing about Stefanski is, is that they had it narrowed down to two candidates, Stefanski and Salah. And they watched a game where Bob Salah (laughs) completely outcoached Kevin Stefanski. And they were like, you know what? That's our guy. The guy who got completely outcoached. That's our dude. I don't understand it at all. So I don't know. the, The Browns could be a disaster. They could be really good. They have the talent. It's just, I don't know. I, they're run by knuckleheads, and then the yeah, like Cincinnati is a total wild card to me. I think that their defense could bounce back quite big, and then AJ Green coming back. It's really just whatever Joe Burrow is this year. Is he is he you know seventy five percent of what he'll be as his peak pro? Is he you know can he? How, however much, however good he is, will kind of determine their their ceiling. And then that
1: Baltimore, everyone wants to act like Lamar Jackson's a sure thing, but I don't think you can really say that right now. I think it's better to bet on him being a quality player than betting on him regressing. But I don't think it would be shocking to see him take a little bit of a step back.
0: Everyone's had a year to figure out what they're doing on offense, and we've seen it in the past with unique offensive sets, where teams can figure them out. Like the wildcat didn't work for, for more than a year and they are running something that's different than everyone else. And they, everyone's going to have a whole off season figured out. Now the thing that works in Baltimore's advantages is, is that this isn't like a real off season, right? It's kind of a weird off season. So it's, it's possible that, you know, teams can't figure it out quite as well as they normally would. But
1: Well, the other thing is that they're also running it with an elite talent. Like Lamar Jackson's a physical freak. That is undeniable. So this could be one of those offenses where they're able to run it because they have Lamar Jackson and they could not run it with anyone else.
0: Okay. And then so my next ranking thing, you know, what? I'm just going to leave this uh, Seahawkers. I'm sure are going to cover this because they love talking about Pete Prisco and my phone's broken. So I haven't been able to listen to any podcasts this week, but I'm going to bet they did this already. But Pete Prisco generally just like hates Russell Wilson, but he put him third this time. In his top 100 players list, which I feel like he's trying to jinx us or something. It's like oh, a, yeah, that's <laughs> a bad song. it's like a, it's like a voodoo, it's like a voodoo curse that he, uh, he is putting on us that will, um, will, lead us to ruin. He also put Bobby Wagner 38th, which I think is is fair, <laughs> because Bobby took a, you know, he didn't have a great season last season because I think he was misused a little bit, but this year a he should be able to play. Okay. This year he should be able to play more shallow zones and be just amazing, like he usually is. He should be able to
1: play the the defense that he's supposed to play. Yes, I agree. Okay.
0: So then, uh, pro football, that's what the big meets I wanted to get into. Pro football focused did their top 101 players of the decade. They released it. Um, they, They tried to make it position independent because obviously, if they didn't do that, the first like 25 guys would be quarterbacks, right? Because quarterbacks are generally much more important. So it's kind of position neutral. Okay, I'm just gonna go over it and uh, tell you guys some spots that great Seahawks landed in. Okay, Richard Sherman was fourth in the top 101. Hmm. Uh, Eric, how do you feel about that? That's for this this year, last year. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, no, no, it's for the last. No, it's for the last ten years. Okay, I
2: had to make sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm. I like that. I like that very much.
0: He had the lower pass lowest passer rating when targeted of the decade, 54,
2: and the lowest completion rate when targeted, 49.6%. And
0: now, what you question, probably can't
2: quantify there is how many times he was avoided. That entire side of the field was avoided when he was a Seahawk. So the question
0: becomes like Darrell Revis versus Richard Sherman. Um, so I wanted to discuss this. So this is like a they 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 said it, you know, Revis has the harder job, right? Asking guys to single cover one on one is incredibly difficult. Um, Whereas Sherman had to play his side of the field and play zone and, and do a different job. Now is Rebus's job technically harder? Yes, but the peak was shorter. And I'll be honest with you. um, Peak Darrell Rebus is like a once in a lifetime kind of thing. And, and I think that's a, and that that peak was short for a reason, because that job is just too hard for someone to do (laughs) like that, like Patrick Peterson tries to do it and he gets smoked sometimes because it's just, it's too difficult. It's too difficult to ask someone to play single single coverage like that man-to-man. Um, and, you know, Sherman just stayed steady. He didn't you – know there's not a lot of ups or downs. It's just he was just awesome, consistently awesome for 10 years, you know?
1: Well, and that's the thing. Coverage is an inconsistent stat. So according to PFF's measure, coverage is likely to waver quite a bit. The fact that he was consistently good for that long functionally defies their claim on cornerback coverage. So if you're able to uh, force their hand in rewriting their consideration of how coverage works, congratulations. You're very good. Uh, they put safety Earl Thomas
0: at 20th behind only one safety. Eric Weddle was the only safety that scored higher than Earl Thomas. Um, and I'll just say this. Um, if you want to play single high safety and you make a guy in a, in a box that out of like a you know you have the scientific ability to create you could just make Earl Thomas peak Earl Thomas is the best single high safety yeah. so you don't you don't need to you don't need to like blend dna from a bunch of different dudes or anything it's just it's just
2: him so that's uh that's my comment on that you guys have a, any earl comments I, I hate that i think you got to put earl higher you know how I'm, how i feel about earl on this podcast anyone who listens knows but <sighs> earl did so much he did so much you don't even know he made That defense looks so easy. And Pete Carroll's the architect, but Earl was the on-field architect. That's all I got on that.
1: What I'll say about Earl that makes him hard to judge, Um, and this is what I used a lot when he was playing for the team still, when you think about center fielders that are capable of uh, incredible feats of range and make a lot of plays, they end up having lower fielder ratings sometimes because they end up making errors on, Catches. And then you sit there and you go, you know, if you analyze this, the only reason they were there to make an error on that catch is because of a feat of athleticism that other people just wouldn't be able to make. So I think Earl gets weighed down a little bit because there are some times where, you know, he gets a hand on it or he maybe misses a tackle or something like that. And then you're going, yeah, but a lesser player than Earl Thomas would have just never been in position to affect the play whatsoever. And I think that weighs him down. In my opinion, he should be the number one safety.
0: All right. Number one running back, number 29 overall, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Marshawn Lynch led the decade in broken tackles, 403. He also broke 75 tackles in 211 playoff rushing attempts, which is absurd. That's dumb. <laughs> um, so
1: 13 yeah. of them were on the beast quake.
0: I think, uh, I, I mean, he, I think that is the best running back of the decade. Now, here's my question for you that goes with this. Marshawn Lynch, Hall of Fame. What do you guys think?
1: I think uh, counting stats for running backs, the trend has been that they're not as important, and Marshawn Lynch's peak was dominant. Uh, I think there's a really strong argument to make that he gets in. If he doesn't get in, I can see why, but I think he should be. He's as dominant as a running back has been in the last probably two, three decades.
2: This is a really complex question because when you ask that question, I immediately think of another Seahawk legend, Seahawk great, our arguable legend, uh, Sean Alexander. And people have asked, is Sean in the Hall of Fame? Should he be in the Hall of Fame? And uh, producer Brett will, will argue uh, yes, 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 all day long. And I have to respect that argument. Not very um, many running backs win the MVP, Eric. This is, here's the thing. Sean Alexander was that bridge to... The classic running back of the old day, meaning, uh, you know, the 90s, 80s, where the running back would just be flashy and carry a team and get 120 yards a game. And it was something special, uh, avoiding lots of tackles, um, almost like a finesse running back. And then you'd have like Mike Allstott that was a fullback, but still like this, this pulverizer. And in this current era running backs are undervalued because getting a hundred yards a game is almost expected or close to it is expected. It's not special anymore. A special running back is a game changer. Uh, and you could argue Sean, Sean, Alexander was a game changer, but that's because it was like between two eras. Barry Sanders was for sure a game changer, but I'd say like Emmett Smith is your prototypical. Like everyone says, is he the greatest of all time. Well, that's kind of what running backs are now. And I'm not saying not all of them are, are Emmett Smith or as good as Emmett Smith, but just a guy who's expected to get around 100 yards a game. Marshawn Lynch transformed the field. He transformed the playbook for not only the Seahawks offense, but the other team's defense every single game. And it wasn't like, oh, I'll make sure you bottle him up. No, like this guy's going to wear you down. He's going to beat you up. And it's not just grinding it out like Chuck Knox did in the early 80s, it's grinding you down physically. If you tackle Marshawn Lynch four times in a game, if you run into him and attempt to tackle him, the more that game went on, you wanted to avoid him. You just could not take it. I really hope they pass here because I don't want to deal with Marshawn. Is Marshawn a Hall of Famer? For that reason, yes. I don't know if you could quantify it in the stat department, but how special he was in this era it cannot be discounted. All
0: right, Russell. Russell Wilson came in at thirty third, one spot behind Matt Ryan. And I'll be honest with you, this is not Russell Wilson's fault that he's thirty third. It's Pete Carroll's fault. Yeah. <laughs> he could be. He could be much higher on this list. He could be all the way up to to tenth, to top ten. But uh, for some reason, Pete Carroll will not let Russ cook. And uh, I like for my sanity, I'm going to believe that that changes this year. Like I said, like I've said a lot of times, I need that for my sanity.
1: Uh, Also, Matt Ryan had two more years in the decade to rack up some of those stats.
0: That's fair. And Russ did come along slow. Uh, Uh, Well, first couple years the first, like first few years are pretty low counting stats.
1: wise. So can I talk to your let Russ cook thing? Because there's something I've been watching that I think is really interesting. So I think we can I think I think 2015 Russell Wilson was like the gold standard for Russ. So 2015, um, he had the 68% completion percentage through for over 4,000 yards at 34 touchdowns um, to only eight interceptions. Uh, He was over eight yards per attempt. That's kind of what we've been – that was the season where I think 2014 and then really in 2015 was when we were going, you know what? Russ can do everything. Russ can be the man. He can put together that season where we really lean on him and the offense can be turned over to Russ. And then 2016, his attempts went up a lot. He went from 483 attempts to 546 attempts and he lost 4% on his completion percentage. His um, yards per attempt dropped by half a yard. His efficiency numbers dropped a lot. That was 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, And then the following year, We threw the ball all over the yard, and that was the year that he got banged up quite a bit. And his touchdowns were still up, but all of his other numbers were down. Yards per attempt were down. Completion percentage was way down, 61.3. And that was when people started calling into question, like, can Russ really carry the offense or not? And I think we were already, we were always really strong into it. We were sold on Russ, but I think the narrative changed a little bit. After that 2016 and then I mean, 2017 season, but the change in offensive coordinator last year, we were back up 516 attempts, 66 percent completion percentage. We we're at eight yards per attempt. I think the trend is back towards trying to I, figure out how can we get 2015's efficiency with 2017's volume. I think 2016's problem was that the
0: the, the receiver talent was either underdeveloped. Tyler Lockett was not ready yet. Uh, Neither was Paul Richardson, and or not good, Jermaine Curse. Like, our number two wide receiver was Jermaine Curse that year. That's a problem. And yeah, I so, agree
1: with you. I think there's a lot of really good reasons why his numbers dropped. I didn't think that he wasn't ready. It, it, and I also think there were some scheme issues there.
0: The tools around him right now are so much better than they were in like the 2016 or even the 2017 offense, which I felt like was just Lockett and Baldwin. And then, I mean, you could say Jimmy Graham had 10 touchdowns that year, but he was really inefficient. He had like a 59% catch rate. Yep. Uh, so the twenty, like the the twenty seventeen, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen Seahawks, like compare that to this year. This year we're going to have so many weapons: DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Uh, I'm a Philip Dorsett stand, so I'm going to count him in there. And then the two tight ends, Disley and Olson, who I think are both going to perform better than Jimmy Graham did that year. That's just, I mean, not in terms of getting ten touchdowns, but in terms of like efficiency
1: numbers. Well, Don't and name, about our a, other name a comparable better. weapon for Russ to DK. Yeah, like no, DK is never. a unique weapon that the Seahawks have not had. Yeah.
0: Just a big, a big guy that can go, that's up so big, so fast, so, so good. All right. Let's, let's keep going. 39, Bobby Wagner. Uh, he came in as linebacker number three, I think.
1: Okay. Where'd kiki uh, come in? 10th. Ke- that's bullshit then.
0: Pa- Patrick, <laughs> Willis was tw- Patrick Willis is 20. Patrick Willis is 28th. And I actually don't disagree with that. Patrick Willis was amazing, but he, uh, he didn't, he retired soon. So I think that they're, you know, it's hard to say. So they, they
1: kind of had to make a judgment call there. Um, you can say what you want about Willis, but if you put uh, Keekly considerably ahead of Bobby Wagner, I think you're doing it wrong.
0: Um, it's hard. It's hard for me. I mean, I see why they did it. Keekly has the best passer rating when targeted of any of these guys. He had like the highest PFF graded of. A single season grade of any player, period. So I, I get why they did it. I just, yeah, so that's the Wagner. ongoing
2: argument of, against those two. I hate it. Um,
1: yeah, I, I just don't feel like he's over twenty five spots better. I, I that that's that's my main issue. If he was ahead by like ten spots, okay. Uh, but yeah. man, that's a, that's a big gap for not a big gap in play.
0: Uh, my future Seahawk, Clay's Campbell. No, forty. He got forty eighth. <laughs> uh, that's my. My dream. Cam Chancellor was fifty-fifth, which I think is fair considering the uh the cut lack short. of the yeah, he got his his career cut short. But you know, the uh the box the box linebacker safety hybrid position that is so popular in the NFL, it's popular because of Cam. Um he was excellent coverage and against the run, and everyone said, We need a guy like that. A guy who can run with the tight ends, who can beat up a, a slot wide receiver, but still in the box and enforce in the run game that's what we need it changes it changes the defense to have a guy like that yeah so and i mean it also people were the league the league as a whole was playing to cover two too deep and now single high is so much more popular and it's a lot because of what Cam chancellor did you guys got any yeah, eric you got Cam chancellor comment
2: no actually we we went over this uh last week uh week before his podcast about about Cam and how he uh, changed uh, defenses. So yeah, I'm good. Dwayne Brown, 58th guys. Um, no love for the man.
0: He's only allowed 26 sacks in 10 seasons as a starter in the 2010s.
1: Yeah, that dude's very good at football. It's really good, and we got him. And we got him for frigging a song and dance.
0: Yeah, it's uh, pretty insane. I I do think that the one thing the Seahawks offensive line plan it looks like they look to get more athletic, which makes me think they're going to try to play a little faster this year. Uh, Which Dwayne Brown
1: it. can do um, for a left tackle. He's very athletic for even an older guy. Um,
0: so seventy fourth, Michael Bennett. Yeah, um, I think he definitely deserves his place in the one hundred and one. Um, only two players had more pressures in the decade than Michael Bennett, Von Miller, and Cameron Wake. Hmm, and it's uh, impressive. Also, he had really good run stop abilities. Could play inside and outside. Doesn't False start
1: sh- numbers are elite. <laughs>
2: Doesn't wear shoulder pads. (laughs) Full start numbers are elite, Kevin.
0: (laughs) Uh, Doug Baldwin, seventy seventh.
1: Oh wow, I'm surprised he got that much love, and it pleases me. Um, That dude's peak was amazing, and we should have had probably two, three more seasons.
0: Never had a season grade below seventy. Five of his eight seasons were above eighty. That's pretty awesome. It's it's just consistently great.
1: Chandler- He's Jones another got- victim of the system. He could have had much higher counting stats if we were throwing a lot more in those uh early to mid to, uh, 2010s.
0: Chandler Jones got 80th, and I just want to get on this corner. Chandler Jones is overrated. Um like he an 80th is honestly like maybe higher than I would have put him. That's it. That's the last uh Seahawk on the list. Uh is there any Seahawk that you wish would have made it on here? Remember, you have to think about accomplishments in the 2010s. Is there any Seahawk you felt like maybe was deserving that didn't get love here? Ooh. No kickers made it, guys, so no Haushka.
1: I feel like uh <laughs> I feel like Averill um didn't have a long enough peak pass rush. Because mm. I think Averill on a couple more seasons would have had a really good argument as a as an elite pass rusher. Yeah. Um I, I think don't that... think I don't think KJ deserve. I, I think KJ is the ultimate honorable mention for a list like this.
0: You you put him on the bottom and say like, hey, this guy was really good for
1: ten years, but it's a, it's not. He's the Curtis Martin of weak side linebackers. Ah, uh-huh. very good for a long time.
2: Yeah, he ran with the crew and he deserves some mention, but not on the list. Um, I guess there's no one I think we're missing. Uh, Cliff and KJ are really the only ones I think I'd put in there. I'm trying to think if there was any other. Offensive line standouts, but then then I'd no. I really be quiet. <laughs>
1: Sorry, Okung
2: just ain't happening. <laughs> uh, any offensive line standouts? That's funny. Yeah.
0: That's a good one. Yeah, I, know. I, I think I,
1: know. I think that I, like I um, got them sometimes.
2: We, uh,
0: yeah, we are. That's like the, those are the really great players that were on our team, you know. And for tight end, like if you think Jimmy Graham belongs on this list, like you're crazy. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is uh the best tight end and then i think there's like four or five guys i'd probably put in before before i'd put in uh if jimmy had stayed on the same jimmy graham he made that list <laughs> but he wanted to be a wide receiver there you um, go i wanted to be paid like one at least uh i think that's the only player i could see like them making an argument for is jimmy graham i don't think that and i other...
1: see what that argument is but i think it's been pretty well proven that he was very good at doing a thing that he was asked to do. That's yep. it. Um
0: all right, uh so now it's time for the uh the, the move uh movie club and uh money zone. So if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. Best way head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Be like new or uh, be like uh Adrian uh Jacob uh Brett sign up for the Patreon. Uh, Thank you to the Patreons that are in here. Let me get this thing open. It's like 45 clicks and I forgot to click it before we started. Lucas, Carrie, Tom, James, Timothy, Brett, Brian, Michelle, Keith, Philoctomus Prime, Mike, Karen, Bob, Richard, everyone who's supporting the Sexness Podcast, thank you so much. Uh, it really helps. Movie Club this week, uh, obviously we have to pick things that are uh, culturally relevant. So I think that you guys should watch Thirteenth on Netflix. Ava DuVernay made an excellent series document or film uh, called Thirteenth. It's on Netflix. It's just kind of about um, what's going on in the world today. It's four years old, you know. So like the, I I think that one thing I th- I think about a lot is that all the warning signs were there you know what I mean? Like that we all, a lot of people knew that this was happening and that, that, that things were unequal and that things are not right. And people just didn't do anything about it. And until it, it now it's almost like too late, you know? So I think that, well, it's never too late, but you know, it's, it takes, it takes too long. And so I think that it's really, um, really great documentary. It's about um, mass incarceration. It's about prison. And I think that you should uh, check it out. 13th Netflix,
2: Eric. Um, I'm going to recommend a documentary called. I am not your Negro uh, directed by Raul Peck. Uh, It's basically based on an unfinished book or a a manuscript by James Baldwin, uh, African-American speaker from uh, before I was born, uh, fifties and sixties. This is 94 minutes, not a lot of time. It's a quick watch. And a very valuable watch. Um, this was, this is something I enjoyed uh, before it left Netflix, and now I believe it's on Prime. Uh, it's before it was like, oh yeah, that's that's too bad. Now what's going on right now? Uh, as I said before, listening. This is just a great documentary for you to listen, for everyone to listen. If you think you know where you're at, watch this anyway. Uh, It's really powerful, really well done, narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. Go enjoy it, please.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've got a pair of recommendations. Um, As Nathan mentioned, this is something that is not new. This is something that has years, decades, centuries of history behind it. This is the culmination of a lot of decisions that have been made over history. And so um, one movie I think gives some perspective on that is uh, Detroit from 2017. It's directed by Catherine Bigelow, um, stars some people that you'll know. Uh, It's a a very good movie. It's a very well-made movie. It's based on a true story um, with a lot of historical uh, fact in it. Um, reading up on the the situation this is based on. This is part of a police raid in Detroit in 1967 um, during the, uh, the race riots that were happening in Detroit at the time. And you'll see things that are still happening today, things that are still talked about today, things that are still at the center of the Black Lives Matter movement. And this is streaming right now on Amazon Prime and Hulu. And if you want to see what happens when um, the narrative is allowed to be run by um, the oppressors and what happens when uh, when people aren't able or don't want to see what's really happening. Um, another movie from 2017 uh, is streaming on Hulu called A Taxi Driver. And this is a movie about real events. Um that occurred in South Korea um, in the 80s, and uh, 1980 to be exact. And this was during an overthrow for a military dictatorship. But it has a lot to do with what happens when the media is unable or unwilling to do their job. And when um, people have legitimate concerns, legitimate problems, um, that they're not able to voice in another way. Um, I think both of these are really well-made movies. Both of them are really powerful movies. And the fact that they're both um, about true situations, I think can help um, lend a little bit of perspective to people who otherwise don't have life experience that gives them that perspective.
0: All right. And uh, that's it Uh, for Kevin, for Eric. We will uh, see you guys next week. Go Hawks.